We've talked about this before, the fact that just now that everybody's famous, <laughs> back in the old back in the old timey days, yeah. uh, when uh, Bill Hickok died, that was a big deal. Right. Uh, but we weren't talking about the many, many other people who died uh, in saloon bar fights or right. uh, poker games or whatever. Mm-hmm. And now that everybody's famous, every everybody's you know a tragedy. Everybody's lost. Right. Somebody dies. We've a light has gone out in right. the world. So anyway, what was my point? Why do I need one? Um, so I I guess I want to announce that Ricky J has died. Who I was uh, very uh, depressed to hear. Who is Ricky Jay? Uh, because Ricky Jay is a performer and a magician, and you have seen him in the show Deadwood. Oh, okay. I think in the first season he w- was one of Saul's uh, guys at the Bella Union. Okay. Or um, Saul? Not Saul. Sai. Uh, Sai. Okay. And he was a sleight of hand artist, and an actor. He's did a lot of uh, mammoth work, and he was just okay. real. Hadn't seen him in a while. I'm sorry, everyone. I did that thing where I killed him because I hadn't seen him on screen for a while. I can't remember the fate of his character in Deadwood. Um, doesn't matter now. Right. I thought, oh, maybe he could be in the Deadwood movie. Plus, I haven't seen him in a while. What's what's up with him? Right. Dead. So. When did he die? Uh, yesterday. Yesterday. Or like uh, yesterday night. Oh no. Yeah. Okay. He was in Boogie Nights. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's, that's too bad. yeah, it is too bad. Uh, and uh, I always enjoyed him. He was not, I don't think he was much of an actor, but it's hard to tell because uh, when you're in a mammoth gig, yeah, you know, it's so just read the script, you know, right. just straightforward. So I'm not sure if that was his style or if it just the fact that he wasn't like super expressive made him perfect for, for that mammoth. Either way, yeah. you know, he, he was fun to watch on screen. And mm-hmm. he also did, you know, those crazy card tricks. And I, didn't he team up with the myth bu- Mythbusters to see if like you could really cut somebody's throat with a playing card like bullseye or whatever oh, okay probably and he actually um they use that ballistic gel that's supposed to mimic human flesh yes he actually managed to sink a couple cards into the gel oh so wow okay technically yes you could you could he could like blow a candle out you know with a playing card and right yeah so. okay <sighs> too bad yeah and you know what's really too bad what's really too bad it, everybody's gonna forget that 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 was the day that he died, and they're going to remember instead <laughs> that it was the day that Nick Rogue died. Right. Which we'll have to talk about too, I guess, on the show today. Well, yes, for sure. Um, of course, uh, famous, world famous, uh, lauded director of movies like um, Man Who Fell to Earth, mm-hmm. uh, and Performance, and Don't Look Now, uh, things that are classics. And if you're a British person, you're like, that's. They make us watch those. Right. They peel our eyes open <laughs> to watch that other movie by our countrymen. Right, right. Uh, Clockwork Orange. And then also have to watch these as well. So, yeah. um, And, you know, t- long story short, uh, we, we thought we were covering The Favorite today. Yes, we did. The new film from Yorgos Lanthimos, uh, which is out, uh, but is a staggered release yeah. up to the end of the year. And so it won't be out in our area until um, the week after next. Yes. Which will, uh, that's when we'll cover it. Yes. So we thought, um, we we already knew that we were going to try to talk about another filmmaker, mm-hmm. um, a unique filmmaker. Uh, and it just kind of turned out that as we were kind of casting around for things to do, we got the news about Nicholas Rogue. So right. 
that's what we'll be talking about today. Exactly. <laughs> and it works out pretty good. Yeah. Because uh, he made some pretty good films. He did. And we'll talk about those. Yeah. So yeah, taking it easy, uh, a little Audible today. Yes. Uh, but brought, not brought to you by Audible. <laughs> no. No, screw Audible. <laughs> Until they uh, are paying their bills uh, for us, or paying our bills. Well, yeah, right. Uh, yeah. Get, get your get your books on tape somewhere else. Right. Where do you even go? I don't know. Yeah, it's Audible's pretty much got it. Yeah, I <laughs> think it, they do too. Some, somebody.com is crying. Right. Into their uh, audiobook, and it's sparking <laughs> and shorting out right now. Uh, how's it going? Uh, it's going good, Cal. Um, how, how's it going for you? Oh, you know how it's going. Yeah. Yeah. I'm run down. Yeah. Kind of losing my voice. Oh, no. A little bit. Uh, but that's fine. We only got about a million more shows to record. So oh, no. be okay. Well, is it lemon and honey and tea and yes. and all, all the other ice cream and everything else? Yes, and ice cream. Got to give that a shot. <laughs> um, okay. Well, hopefully you won't lose your voice on the show today. So Hopefully. Um, yeah. Let's uh, get right to it. Talk about a little bit of news and then we'll uh, talk about some films by Nicholas Rudd. Sounds good. <laughs> There really isn't really much news at all. I wanted to mention, I can't remember if we mentioned that last week, but um, Ike Perlmutter, who was just a garbage person, uh, as far as uh, anybody seems to know, uh-huh. uh, he's the uh, chairman of Marvel Entertainment. Yeah. What that even means in this day and age, I don't know. Like He's basically just like, you know, the head, the CEO of Marvel, right. basically, um, insofar as it's, um, and you think that he'd just be, Disney brings Marvel in. Right. And... Kevin Feige is the you know head producer for Marvel films, right? So Perlmutter is technically the comic guy, but not really though. That's you know Joe Casada. He's like the right. um, C- chief creative officer or whatever. Or he was. I don't know what's going on at Marvel right now, but anyway, just let him go. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess you can't fire him, but he's got a golden parachute. Yeah, he's so problematic. Yeah, just let him go. I know. Well, anyway, that option might get exercised soon because okay. he has been named in a bribery trial in New York. Oh, in New I York heard City, about this. Uh, over like a gun permit in exchange for movie tickets. Yeah, which is weird. Like he wanted to get a gun or something like that. And so uh, to or like, a, to, you know, a license. Uh huh. And so he um, contacted a higher up and basically like offered them like tickets, like movie premiere tickets for Marvel films. Which is so shady. And it's like, what are you doing? What are the ways that you could get guns not fast enough for you? Like, yeah, I don't, I don't even why know. Why do you need this? I don't know the details about, yeah, about why the normal channels couldn't have been followed. Right. But yeah. It's so bizarre. Yeah, I don't know. So who knows? That was a small little thing. I saw that blurb um, last week in um, Gizmodo or somebody sure. picked up off of it. And it was the New York Daily News or something, you know, which is kind of tabloidy. So. Sure. And I haven't heard, I haven't really heard anything else. So yeah, who knows? But let's get this guy out of there. Come on. Yeah. Uh, What else? It looks like Sony might have uh, some release dates for its Morbius film. Remember Morbius? I remember talking about it. Morbius, the living vampire. Yes. He lives. Yes. But he's a vampire. Right. I don't know what that means. (laughs) Isn't it? um, Who's playing him? Jake Gyllenhaal? Is that right? Mm, No. I don't think so. No. Do we know who's playing him yet? Who is playing him? I don't know. Is is he black? Uh, I don't. I don't know. I, I thought he was black. I I have no idea uh, about the. Why character. is this happening at all? I, I that is Who also cares? a good question. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so Fox. What this proves is that Fox 
is still going forward. Um, they're acting like nothing's happened. You know what I mean? Like they right. haven't been acquired. Right. It's not, you know, I, I think things got slowed down a little bit, mm-hmm. but uh, we're still going to uh, push this out. Okay. Um, Jared Leto. Oh, okay. That's right. Which, double now I double down on why. <laughs> why is this happening at all? Yeah. Who cares? I know. Sorry. I mean, you know, cool character, um, good good comic stories, but yeah, why is this? Because we have to make a movie out of everybody in yeah. the comics these days. Well, according to Variety, uh, Sony has set aside uh, some dates in 2020. <clears throat> uh, July 10th, uh, 2020 is a non-sequel uh, which is presumably the um, Morbius movie. Okay. And October 2nd, 2020 will be a sequel, which will be Venom 2. Okay. 2. two. Sure. Venom, Venom, two. Venom, two, Venom. Two. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, that all makes sense. Yes. None so. of that is set in stone. These are all just the best assumptions that people sure. have. Okay. And your reaction is? Um. Okay. Wow. I mean, Venom was was an okay yeah. movie. Um, yeah. They definitely left room for there to be a sequel. I don't know. Yes, because there's, there's three more, four more of them. Yeah, or something. Right. <laughs> I don't weird. know how excited it's I am. It's not a great. It's not a great film. <laughs> no, I don't know how excited I am. And then, of course, you know, Stan Lee having passed will not have a cameo in the next one. Well, so. right. But although. He has filmed, they, they did film quite a few cameos. Yeah, thank him, God. Like before he passed, so. Thank God. Yeah. Did I kill Stan Lee? No, you did not. You most definitely did not. But I was throwing around that idea about how Thanos should kill Stan Lee. Yeah, I know. That's how they get him out. Yeah. Because at some point, he has to stop. Now he literally has stopped. Well, ex- exactly. But uh, yeah, they just get to a point where okay, I'm not gonna say it again. But no, I don't think you killed Stanley. Okay. I'm gonna absolve you of that. So. <laughs> Great. A <laughs> uh, little bit of non-news. Uh, this is pretty much something that we all kind of knew. But if you follow Star Trek and you're looking at some of the new projects that Star Trek is doing, mm-hmm. and you can follow them. On our show, Enterprising Individuals, so right? I did there? Yep. Uh, at enterprisingindividuals.com. But a quick note that uh, mid, uh, excuse me, Midnight's Edge talked to Nicholas Meyer about his, the show that he's supposedly working on. Okay, sure. Um, which is supposed to be connected to Star Trek: Wrath, uh, Wrath of, of Khan. Khan, which he directed. Right. And the show is called uh, SETI Alpha Five, and he he was originally commissioned to write a three hour. Um, like event or three night event, okay. so it's just a long, whatever they call that, a, not a mini series necessarily, no, not a but yeah. Okay. Um, All right. And it's because of the upheavals that have happened at CBS. Um, it is not. Um, it's in limbo. Oh, oh boy. So we don't know. Well, that's not cool. I don't like that. It's. I mean, he's limbo. relatively young. He'll be around for a while, so I'm sure he'll be always be hot to do it. But yeah, I should note that Midnight's Edge, Edge is garbage. Oh, really? And they can come right at me for that. Okay. Um, all they do is just, it's all rumor mill and mongering. I mean, this is from the the man, the man's mouth himself. Okay, sure. Uh, but yeah, Mid- Midnight's Edge does nothing but just stir up the pot. And so. Okay, gossip and whatnot. All right. Well, I, I really hope that they come, you know, they get that squared away soon because it would be cool to have a Wrath of Khan sequel or I don't even know what you would call it these days, like, but... Um, it would be cool to see a continuation of that story. 
So. Yeah, I just don't know what you can do in three hours. I don't know what you can do in three hours either, but um, you know, it might as well be just like a long movie at that point. So yeah, I don't know. And um, whenever, well, as Star Wars fans learned, whenever they go to the well to try to fill out some of these universes or tell right. more stories, they invariably end up um, invalidating the book canon, which right. people spend money on, love, are connected to. Right, exactly. They make figures and video games about characters that never appeared on screen. Mm-hmm. And that's all gone, you know? And, and yeah. for Star Wars, there's so much of it, I guess there's nothing you could do. But right. for Star Trek, there's also a lot of it. But yeah. there's some good stuff, you know? Um, not really a friend, but acquaintance. Uh, Greg Cox, author Greg Cox, wrote like an entire trilogy about the rise and fall of Khan, Noonie, and Singh. Okay, and it's got sure. some amazing stuff in there. Now, it yeah. would be way too much to... Do turn, for three to, hours. Yeah, do for, for a three-hour TV event. Right. But if you tried to follow the guideline, who knows? So anyway, if I was Greg Cox, I'd be like, I'd sure love to get paid. Yeah. No <laughs> who knows kidding. what's going to happen, though? Seems like it's probably not. Well, I hope they figure it out soon. Yeah, me too. Uh, one more thing. Uh, Marvel Studios has released an official timeline. Okay. For the MCU. Right. So we've always had to sort of um, extrapolate Mm -hmm. dates uh, for when certain movies take place. And that became a controversy when somebody in, um, what was it? Yeah, superheroes. You know, eight years ago they were doing the thing or whatever. You know, and he's talking about eight years ago was when Iron Man came out or I can't remember what it is or when they attacked New York or it's eight years later or whatever. And so that meant. Wait a minute, does Spider-Man Homecoming take place in 2020? Right. And it just doesn't work because that would put it past the snap. And so yes. <laughs> basically they've put this timeline out to go, yeah, forget it, we're wrong. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Uh, highlights from it are basically uh, that Captain America, I have moved some stuff around though. Captain America, okay. of course, takes place um, over the course of 43 to 45, 1945. Yeah. Iron Man takes place in 2010. When did it come out? The movie came out in 20, uh, 2008. Oh, okay. Yes. Remember wow. 10 years. Okay. 10 years of Marvel move, movies. Okay, So sure. they moved that up. Then, of course, uh, two, uh, Iron Man 2, that is, uh, Incredible Hulk and Thor, I'll take place in one week in the year, in uh, 2011. Wow. One uh, week. 2012 is The Avengers, Iron Man 3. Uh, I, I'm just reading the whole thing, it sounds like. Sure. Anyway. So 2014, of course, was a pretty big year. Winter Soldier, Guardians, uh, both 1 and 2 happened in 2014. Uh, Of course, uh, the year everybody wants to forget, uh, Avengers Age of Ultron happens in 2015. Sure. And Ant-Man. Sorry, Ant-Man. Yep. Uh, Civil War and Homecoming in 2016. Okay. Doctor Strange takes place over the course of 2016 to 2017. Okay. And 2017, another big year, Black Panther, Thor Ragnarok, and Infinity War all happen. Okay. I mean, that's... uh... So, and I guess that this is, we would assume this anyway, but T'Challa literally, you know, buries Kilgrave... Oh, and his dad. Yeah. Uh, and ding dong. Hey, uh, can we crash here? Yeah. So weird. Okay. Oh, was it Killgrave or Killmonger? Killmonger. Shut up. Okay. I just kill. wanted to make sure. Kill death guy. <laughs> kill man. <laughs> Somebody get an angle grinder. Yeah, I know, right? Smooth this guy out. <laughs> Uh, 
How familiar were you with the films of Nicholas Rome before Um this Not show? super familiar. How I've familiar are you with the pronunciation of his name? Not very familiar <laughs> I'm either. Just, I'm going with Rogue. I think Rogue works. Yeah. Um, uh, Rogue. Right. Um, I saw in The Man Who Fell to Earth. Uh, we did a David Bowie special, um, I think. A little while ago. Yeah. That was speaking of 2015. After he passed, wasn't it, or was it before he passed? I can't remember now. Um, I can't remember either. Yeah. It must have been before. Okay. Because it wasn't. We didn't do it last year. No. And he died at the end of 2016. So. Oh, did he, he die the beginning of 2016? Like the very beginning. You look it up. Okay. Don't really look it up. Okay. That is dead air. Does not matter. All right. The answer is it does not matter. All right. So not that familiar then. No. Although you certainly saw uh, an eccentric one. Yeah, I did. Although looking at his filmography, they're all. How do you pick the uh, the eccentric one? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They all kind of are statement films, and um, you know, uh, are. They all say something unique, I think. Um, I think he was a very um, prolific uh, director, but also um, he had a very distinct um, outlook. And uh, I think he, um, you know, showcased that with his films. And he wanted to, I feel like he wanted to push the envelope, you know, continuously. And I feel like he was continuously challenging himself. Uh, with the films that he uh, directed. Ruge? Ruge? Perhaps. Oh. Yeah, he never seemed to... He was always... You're right, yeah. He never... Um, I don't think he ever just coasted, you know? No. or like Or just uh, sleptwalked through one. No, I don't you think know, so. He was always um, pushing it to try to make... To say something specific. I, I guess I should use, say... Oh, go ahead. Uh, I did see the film The Witches when I was a kid, too. Yeah, The Witches, yeah. Yeah, and it's that scared the crap out of me. Um, yeah, and he's and he's always about using the techniques of film to help tell the story, mm-hmm. not just make things look good. Right. And that started all the way back with David Lean when he w- worked for him on yes. Lawrence of Arabia, yes. which I was... It's one of those things that I was flabbergasted to, to find out, but then was like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. And I, he was on uh, Dr. Zhivago, too. And yes. fired off of Dr. Zhivago. <laughs> yes. But we know how he met Julia Christie now. Right, exactly. Uh, yeah. And so I uh, just kind of went from there and then ended up in uh, directing. Mm-hmm. And um, Performance uh, was his first film. Yeah. Uh, which we'll talk about, which he did, of course, along with um, Donald Camel, who is, we're talking about him, too. It's oh, an okay. interesting guy, for right. sure. So yeah, I thought that we would talk about performance, and yes. then after talking about performance, we'd talk about Don't Look Now. Sounds good. Uh, the two films that are on the, whatever the British version of AFI or whatever is right. on their top 100 films. I can't films. remember what they called it, but yeah. yeah. Um, and so many people have cited him as um, Influences. inspiring them, even yeah. people that it's like, he inspired you because your stuff sucks. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I don't know what wow. inspiration you got out of it. Wow. But, yeah. Your stuff's not good. That's not good. Uh, but yeah, we'll talk about, uh, like I said, Don't Look Now. Um, I haven't seen Walkabout. I want to see Walkabout. Yeah, I would like to see that too. It sounded interesting. Yeah. In uh, the description. Of course, Jenny Gutter is in it, yeah. Uh, the girl from um, Logan's Run. Oh, okay. Uh, and from uh, The Winter Soldier. Oh, sure. So, um, performance. Yes. The movie Performance. 
What do, what do we got? Um, <laughs> what a great start. Wow. <laughs> what a great start. Um, well, it's about... It's about... So, unlike... <laughs> Unlike Nicholas, uh, we definitely coast and half-ass this stuff. Oh, stop and it. Here we go. <laughs> um, it's about a um, basically a group of gangsters um, in in Britain, um, and one of them um, is named Chaz, and uh, played by James Fox. Yes, and he is the main character. Yes, uh, he's the protagonist. Doing great, and uh, he. Particularly loves his job in which he is really cruel and often violent towards people who owe his boss money. He's a bag man. Yeah. So uh, he really enjoys that up until the point where his boss, whose name, first name is Harry. Harry is, Flowers. Yeah, Harry Flowers. What a great name for a gangster. We'll talk about it. Um, was like, okay, you're gonna, we're gonna attack this guy who owes us money. But I don't want you involved because you're going to take it way too personally because you have some bad blood between you two. Yeah. Uh, so he ignores what Harry Flowers says and goes and collects the guy. But it's not like he beats the guy up or anything. He doesn't. He just kinda... But he still ignored orders. Yeah. And then, and then the guy, um, I can't remember his first name. His like, last name is like Maddox or something like that. It was Joey or whatever? Yes. Joey Maddox. Um him and some of his goons like come to um, Chaz's flat and like just wreck the place. They pour red paint all over everything and they just rip it to shreds and they um, rip <laughs> his clothes off and start whipping him with a whip. Uh, we'll talk about that. And <laughs> talk so about then, all this. So then he shoots Joey. None of yes. Okay, good. We got to an action. Yeah. Th this has been maybe three paragraphs from you, and it's not what anybody would think of as being like the main body of the film. <laughs> I know. I know. You haven't even mentioned the most famous person who's well, in this Mick movie. Well, Mick Jagger is in it. Oh wait, you blew it. I know. Um. So he's trying to get away from these people, and he overhears a musician at a cafe talking about how he's. Uh, he owes might as well money. have just turned a radio to the plot point channel. I know. <laughs> yeah. He overhears a musician talking to uh, his mom, I think. I, well, I did like the fact that it was like a Jimmy, clearly like a Jimi Hendrix type yes. dude. Uh, a black guy. And then yeah. he's like, hey, mom. And his mom's like this little old white bright lady. British lady. Yeah. yeah. He's like, oh, your guitar, whatever. And um, he said, yeah, I owe my landlord money, but I'm going to send it to them. I'm going to wire it to them or whatever from the road. It'll be fine. And so he just pretends to be the musician's friend. Right. And said that, yeah, he said I could take over his flat. Here's the money up front. Right. Um, and he paints his hair with, with yes. house paint. Yes. <laughs> which is so bizarre. Yeah. Um, David Bowie had like really red hair in The Man Who Fell to Earth, too. Uh -huh. But he didn't paint it with paint. So. Yeah. Well, and James Fox is a is a real. If he wanted to stunt double for David Bowie, I think that would work out just fine. Yeah, that would probably work He's got out a just fine. Real Bowie-ish look. It's yeah. funny because, and I wasn't really familiar with him, but I, I guess that he, prior to this, had played a lot of like upper crust, you know, oh, yeah. um, sort of fancy lad type British uh, actors. And one of the reasons that he took the role was that he was like wanted to it's toughen up his different. image. Yeah. And um, Camel um, or Camel. I uh, really thought that, oh, yeah, we can do that. We can, like, make this guy real real punk, real sadist. Sure. He likes to smack a lady. Yep. While he's having sex with her. Yep. 
But she's fine with that, I guess. I, I don't want kink shame. Yeah, she was totally fine with it. Yeah. Um. So he basically goes and hides out at this flat, and Mick Jagger is the landlord, and um, he has two. There's two ladies who live with him, and they have a menage a trois sort of thing going on, and it's very like free love hippie-ish, bohemian, and they like, he like feed Chaz some like hallucinogenic mushrooms for him to like oops chill out and stuff like that um yeah and then it's like it's interesting how he kind of morphs like he kind of becomes more like them as the movie goes on um but then a friend of his like has kind of sold him out and Harry Flowers and the gang uh locate him at the flat and they're going to pick him up. Well, you're going to just go through the whole thing. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I guess we have to. I mean, spoilers are definitely involved um, And he like goes upstairs because he has to get the shampoo for the French uh, woman who's taking a bath in the basement. <laughs> yeah, um, of course he does. And he shoots Mick Jagger in the head. And We've all been there. <laughs> um, so... Um, the other lady, the blonde lady, like she kind of hides and Mick Jagger is like, she puts him in a closet with like some picture frames Yeah, in the basement. Yep. Um, and <laughs> as he, he's wearing this ridiculous, Chaz is wearing this ridiculous wig and smoking jacket as he's going to the car. And then you are the one who pointed this out to me, but it's actually Mick Jagger. Like you see in the last... And so is it like saying that it's really Mick Jagger or is it saying he's transformed and he's kind of like a different person now? What is it saying? (laughs) You don't know? (laughs) Nobody knows. Yeah. There's a lot of background to this. First of all, can you believe that this was supposed to be like a hard day's night for the Rolling Stones? Yeah, that's what the... The what Warner Brothers thought it was. That's how Camel Cam- uh, Camel sold it to the studio. Like, that oh, we're gonna do this like not at all fun thing. Yeah, because it was sixty four, sixty five, and Hard Day's Night had just you know exploded under the scene. Yeah, had been real good for Richard Lester, and so he was like, oh, we'll do that, and probably honestly meant it. And then it evolved eventually into this completely different idea. Yeah. And it, it draws in a lot of ways. And actually, you know, it doesn't just draw. Like, it's right at the time. Because, like, Get Carter was, like, 72 or 73. But it's very much in the theme of the sort of 70s British gangster film. Sure. You know, where you've got characters like Harry Flowers and and Chaz and uh, stuff like that. And Bagman. And um, there's a famous Michael Caine movie called Get Carter where he's plays Jack Carter. And he's, like, a mob enforcer who has to go back home up north you know which he doesn't want to do because he likes he's a Londoner now right and uh, deal with a thing and so it's that very you know oh you think you're odd and you know birds and get get the dosh and right know, right does any of this I doesn't make sense to me it's very much in that sort of vein at for the first act let's say yes and then it's like no forget about that it's right Play the sitar. Yeah. Beaded curtains. And uh, beaded curtains and kaleidoscope uh, films and stuff like that. But what's so great about uh, the visuals, uh, which were um, uh, Nicholas uh, Rogue, is that uh, it doesn't, it's never that cheap. Because 
there's something that immediately comes to mind when you think of like a it's my happening and it freaks me out baby you know situation <laughs> on film like I just described right and he never is that I mean he might use some of those things but it's never that cheap he's always trying to, to push it farther and do stuff and you get that same thing he um so they it's a co-direction right. uh, co-production and I think um, Kamel was primarily the script yes. and Rogue was the visual look and it mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense and I wonder how it influenced him going forward um, what drugs he took or whatever <laughs> to make movies like Don't Look Now and the, the rest of his catalog because yeah. you see in Don't Look Now he uses a lot of the exact same kind of things and yeah. Don't Look Now was adapted from a a book or a short story yes um that had nothing to do with mirrors or water or any all those things right. that like mark his films you know he developed all that and then just continued using that as a language yeah uh, at least in the 70s yeah um, and i think that works really well yeah and it's kind of like um we've talked about who's influenced um, or been influenced by him before and i didn't read this specifically but it wouldn't surprise me to find out that guy ritchie uh, was influenced by him, yeah, because Guy Ritchie sort of writes these neo sort of British crime things, right? You know, in the post, you get Carter age, right? Uh, and he himself has a very distinct visual style as mm-hmm. well. So, yeah, would no, not would surprise agree. me at all. I would agree with that. Yeah, um, yeah, I think he really, Jesus. yeah, I think he really wanted to make you know the Bohemian feel like uh, authentic. Yeah, like I don't think he wanted to cheapen it or like. Um, have it feel like surreal or anything like that yeah. like like guy accidentally takes hallucinogenic mushroom that could actually happen <laughs> and like what is his experience and like yeah and the way to make it feel real pubes oh gosh all up and down the board mm-hmm. uh both this movie and i mean it was the 70s but uh both this movie and don't look now and i'm trying to think about his other films but he's never afraid to um you know, Have get to the naked scene. truth. Well, yeah. not just sex, though, but just also having nakedness as yeah, that's a, a, true. a thing, a, a state. There's a lot of bathing in this of emotion. One. There's a lot of bathing in this one. That is yeah. true. Um, so last week was uh, the second <laughs> grossest bath since Gummo. We've reached this is the third grossest bath <laughs> since Gummo. So I've got my Photoshop already oh, for no. the show art this week. But yeah, oh, no. baths that don't look clean. Yeah. And then in, I guess we're just going to get right into it. And don't look now, Julie Christie's in the bath and there's nothing else. Like she's just sitting in like a half empty or half full if you're an optimist tub with no soap or suds or anything like that. She's just sort of sitting in a clawfoot tub in clear water. And it's like, are you enjoying the bath? I know, right? (laughs) Looks cold, looks uninviting. Right. I don't know if that was the point, but we'll save it though. We got got a lot to say about don't look now. So um, yeah, other than that... (laughs) anybody's guess i know it's weird performance is weird uh turner is a is a musician uh, yes. who is patterned after himself <laughs> he's basically say. mick jagger yeah and he has lost his demon right is what ferber says uh, right. his uh his friend or whatever she is right um and we don't know what that means there isn't any suggestion of powers or magic at all but yeah, I He's think lost that that thing, that thing that made him produce, sure. that made him yeah. be a musician, perform. Yeah, now he can just look in a mirror and upside down. And right, <laughs> which that's a lot of uh, that in uh, Rogue's films as well. Um, and so, but I fully believe that yeah, he some he possesses jazz or whatever. Like he is Chaz. Right. At the end of the film. Right. I don't think that. 
his face looks like Mick Jagger, I think, you know, Turner's body is dead, but I right. think that he has become Chaz. Okay. And it's all set up because <clears throat> there's a, this suggestion, suggestion, it's, it's very heavy, that this whole world of um, geezers and, you know, the guys wailing on each other and, you know, there are these, these odd men, uh, there's a lot of, like, latency in there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> like, it's all... In fact, there's a suggestion, I think, that part of the falling out or the um, history between Chaz and Joey is, like, a sexual one. You think so? I got that st- a strong feeling of that, yeah. Okay. And so, you know, it's all, like, Harry Flowers. I know. Sometimes gangsters have, like, ah, it's Sweetie, Sweetie Jim or something like that. Right, but it's, right. But it's definitely, it's meant to suggest that there are a lot of these re- repressed desires and um, toxic masculinity, you know, that's uh, compensation and stuff like that. Yes. And so you get a guy like um, like Turner, who mm-hmm. they repeat the scene uh, when Chaz is being called on the carpet, you know, in front of Harry. Uh, the exact same way, basically, in the memo from Turner music video segment, mm-hmm. which is probably the best. People don't remember a lot about performance. It's it's becoming back, and people are starting to remember it as being something really great. I think they might overpraise it. Sure. <laughs> I like it for sure, but what, how much value does it have exactly? Because yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's basically just one third of a of a English crime film, and then right. a bunch of people just sitting in a tub for for the rest of, for right. another hour. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I like it, right? But, but it's not. Yeah, I don't know if it's like the best ever. <laughs> but uh, so and he so he basically just sets up. I think that he's gonna go back and turn that place upside down and be yeah. and just be running it, you know, right. as Chaz or, or whoever he is now. Right. Um, you're all you're all work for me. That's the last line of the song, you know. Right. Well, and he gets all all the guys like stripped down. Too, right. So. But that's what happens. That's not what it's about. You know, what's right. the film about? I think in a lot of ways it's about, and Kamel uses this theme a lot or did in his work, it's about sort of these transformations, like transformative experiences or transformative like sexual experiences, you know, and and fluidity Mm -hmm. and kind of going from, because Chaz becomes a more open person, like you said, or at least he tries to explore it. Yeah. But they dress him up like a woman and there's this like confusing between, and then the woman that he ends up sort of having a relationship with right i don't know if they fall in love is uh is kind of a tomboy you know is kind yes. of um is boyish Lucy. yeah there's so the yeah and then there's also a weird kid walking around too there is a weird kid walking around who's a little girl yes. but is also kind of like but has like a raspy voice yeah and in between the little girl with the raspy voice with the shock of brown hair yeah the french girl who's um what do you call game, gaming? What do you call like a boyish? There's a, literally a French word for it. I can't okay, remember. Okay, I don't know. Um, who's a sort of tomboyish, twiggy type? Yes. And then Turner himself, it almost seemed like they were supposed to be like a continuum, almost. They almost were. And yeah, Jagger, of course, is Turner in his first film role. Is to makeup, lipstick, blush, the whole thing. Like, yeah. He's got like these a flip, <laughs> silky <laughs> yes. hairdo. Yes. And so yeah, it just it just seems like this continuum of like of confusion <laughs> or at least right. ambigu- uh, ambiguousness. I, I think that was done on purpose too. Like, oh yeah, sure. When Lucy first like starts kissing Chaz, like I first, I thought it was Turner. I seen the movie a couple times uh, and I almost wanted to roll it back this time and I didn't bother, but it, it, it is either him doing it or they're just, they're using the camera to make it seem like, yes, that, that, right. 
he and Turner are hooking up, and then right. it turns out to be Lucy. Right, exactly. But they, yeah, that's clearly that's on purpose. I think so. So anyway, yeah, I just the whole, you know, rum the lash and sodomy yeah. <laughs> thing that they've got going on. Right. Back, uh, back in and back in London. I mean, it's just in Notting Hill, or right. Notting Hill Gate. So it's it's still you know in town. Right. He didn't go he, very far to hide. He thought plan was planning on going to the country. That didn't work. Yeah. Or he didn't go that far. It, what, is it layer cake? Again, Matthew Vaughn, I think another guy that was probably influenced uh, either directly or indirectly uh, by Rogue. Is, uh, he's got Crazy Larry or, or whatever, the Jason Fleming character in, sure. in, uh, in the flashbacks of layer cake where he's like, you know, screw, screwing females is for poofs. <laughs> Basically, like he was like, <laughs> he's so masculine, he's only going to have sex with men. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> or at least that's how he... He, tries he, to frame it right because you can't uh, you know i'm sure there were like gay guys you know in the in english mob or whatever but right. it's not it's a masculine sort of thing you know right. but he somehow makes it like no i'm so straight i'm i'm only gonna have sex with straight men right <laughs> okay boss all right whatever you say poop i swear it said poop <laughs> okay yeah speaking of poop <laughs> Yeah, I thought they sprayed poop on his wall. I know. Like, oh, these guys, <laughs> they're serious. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty good. Yeah, it is. Um, but it is weird, and you got to really get get used to it. You know. Yeah. We're introduced to Lucy, Ferber, uh, and uh, Turner like an introductory three way. Just like. Yeah, I know. Uh, let's meet these characters. What's going on? Oh, okay. Well, I guess I know what's going on here. Right. Exactly. And that's how we're gonna do that. Yeah. Um, there's something that I wanted to do because I know that we're not doing Yorgos this week, but this is also a very, um, interesting, uh, movie with its own characteristics. And I thought, yeah. why not try to run it through the old, uh, Bingos Lanthimos You want to run it through the Bingos yeah. Lanthimos let's test? see if, let's see if, um, we have identified something about Lanthimos as a filmmaker or just something about avant-garde cinema. Okay. Cinema. Said that um, like Stephen Toast. Unsexy sex. Yeah, I think, think so. so. Well, I mean, I don't like again. I don't want to kink shame, but I, I definitely think the uh, beginning uh, where he's having sex with a girl and it's intercut with the, all the guys that he's beating up and the yeah. throwing things through windows and it's clearly meant to be chaotic, okay, and unappealing. All right, I'll take that. Um, stilted dialogue. Why did I write a? St- Straight in Bohemia. Oh, okay. Anyway, yeah, he's a he's a straight uh-huh. who's trying to pass as a Bohemian. Oh, sure. He's yeah. like, yeah, man, I'm a juggler. Like, right. What? I know. Uh, what? Sorry. What was the box? A stilted dialogue. So I'm still not. Now we run into the problem of what does that actually mean? Yeah, I know. No, I don't think so. These people are very verbose and they talk verbosely. All right. Animated dialogue. Next one is head trauma. Man is literally shot in the head. Through the in the head, yeah. we travel through the brain hole. I know, and inside is a picture of uh, B- Borges, <laughs> Borges, the uh, the poet and, right. and writer. Right. Uh, we'll talk about that. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's head trauma. Okay. <laughs> yes. Adults acting like children. I don't know. There's a sort of like you know free love, playful, yeah, yeah, nature child thing, but. I wouldn't say that that's children. There's okay. there's children acting like adults. Yeah. Something that we pointed out in our last film. Right. Um, where um, Petunia or whatever her name is is uh, let me get you some cigarettes. Get <laughs> you some fags. Right. 
I need full pee. Right. All right. Um, making up a game. Mm. I don't know if him again. You could do the whole. Is a game. Yeah, I mean, you could do the whole. That's the game of, of life, right, man? Right. What was that? <laughs> Stop me! No, <laughs> no, no, no. What else? Violent punishment. I would say yes. Yeah, yeah. Um. Next one is body horror. Um. I mean, him getting whipped is kind of body horror. No, okay, but it's not just violence, though. I think going inside the bullet hole. Yeah. (laughs) When he gets shot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's body horror. Okay. Inane discussion about material objects. I don't know. There's a slice of life to a lot of this British working class sort of drama. Mm -hmm. But it isn't like he... You know, actually there is. Because... When they're aciding the car in a cool sequence, but a sequence that I feel like Guy Ritchie would have just pumped right out in between <laughs> them doing three other things. Yeah. They spend a lot of time. Yeah, they It's did. like, we paid for it. We're going to sh- take every We're gonna foot of film the acid of us be, burning like, this car. Burning the paint off of this car. And they're like talking about it and like, oh, it's pretty nice. Oh, see, you know, there's there's dialogue there that they could just be going, ah, take this. Mother-, you know. Okay. Yeah, I think so. All right. Uh, flat effect. Again, you know, what do we mean by that? I mean, I know what that means, but are we talking about just the existence of it right. in the film or the application of it? But yeah, I mean, Chaz is, he gets pretty strung out a yeah. couple of times. Yeah. So, yeah. So you think so? Okay. Also, um, the French girl's acting. Oh. <laughs> You'll yeah. know, <laughs> you, I don't know who she is. I'm not going to look her name up, but I know that like when you go on the internet, like IMDb or Wikipedia and you see, oh, cast list. Yeah. Here are a bunch of blue underlined names. Not this one. I oh. think this was it. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, she was okay. like, probably just knew somebody. Right. Dating the director or something. Um, next one is bribery. Um, it was just bribery? Yeah. That, that was a square. I've only done this six yeah. times. Um, I mean, what would you consider a bribery to be? I don't really think there is any bribery. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're like, get Chaz, but they're not like, get Chaz and we'll give you this gold watch. And he's paying Turner rent. Yeah. But it's not like he's bribing him no and plus they're just they drug him and then like basically screw him i guess but it's not like they're like if you take this drug i'll screw you or anything like that no yeah no i don't think so okay um awkward dancing i don't think so no not really um misnaming things or people the whole Chaz turner thing yeah okay um you approve of that identity erasure the whole Chaz Turner thing. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's a box uh, that we could um, <laughs> refuse. Uh, self-mutilation. Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think so either. Yeah. I mean, the guy, he's, he's trust me, his hair is going to be real messed up after Yeah, him, but, exactly. Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, Thurber shoots herself up with what she says is B12, but... Right. You know. We don't know. Yeah. Uh, inappropriate family interaction. Although she does it into her butt, though, and not into a vein. That's true. So it probably is at least something that needs to be absorbed. Huh. Um, I don't think so. We never get a sense of anybody's family. family. Yeah. He just, the, yeah. you know, they call the one guy uncle. Right. And they look kind of similar. So I just figured that they were brothers or cousins or something. Yeah. Uh, American culture intrusion. I don't think not this really. was really present. No, specifically. Well, 
Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who isn't in the film, but, you know, is, is a presence that can be felt Wait, in the film. Do you film. think I should? No, no, okay. no, no. Stickers. <laughs> My no. favorite. I know. Oh, I'd have to look again. I don't think there's any stickers in this. There's poop. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. <laughs> no um, stickers. No. Um, predatory authority figures. Uh, no. Yeah, I don't think so. Either. It's ironic, too, because it's a film that you read a lot of the uh, scholarship about, it, and it's a film that uh, was rejected at the time for its content. Mm -hmm. uh, one executive's wife was sh sh so shocked she vomited, which I've never heard of that before. Like, no. oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Just so freaked out. Uh, and yeah. it's it's cl clearly a counterculture film. Yes. But it doesn't, there aren't anybody's talking about the man or anything like that. And, no. it, you know, other than just, you know, Harry Flowers is going to kill you for right. screwing up or whatever. Right. Uh, and I also read that uh, after making the film, um, Anita Pollenberg, model slash actress, the original model slash, uh, just didn't, she felt really oppressed like during the making of the film. Like she, okay. she went on this big vacation after they made the film with... Um, Keith Richards, who she was dating. Right. Because she just felt like at that point, and Altamont was, had already happened in 69, right? So it's like at that point, that's the wave was already breaking that uh, Hunter Thompson writes about, you know, and she just felt like the whole hippie thing was kind of over and um, sure. Vietnam and all that stuff. And so it would be a great, maybe they were too deep into it to make a, of, um, Fear and Loathing esque film sure. that talks about you know the the bad guys winning basically right, but it's not in that film, not in this film. No, um, and I did read too that um, Keith Richards was so. Oh, jealous. that's such a good story. Let's let's okay. save that until the game's over. All right, fine. Uh, sadism, yes. Yeah, the whole film. Rank sadism. Uh, sexual fluidity, I would say yes. <laughs> let's move that box to the top. Yeah, uh, performing. Yeah, he sings. The whole thing's called performance. I mean, it's a gimme. Yeah. Uh, pets? <laughs> no. That. Uh, the kid's a pet. No, there's no pets. There's no pets. Bathing suits? No bathing suits. <laughs> no, there there are definitely no bathing suits um, in this film. Actors heads cut out a shot. Not, not really. No. Okay, so let me count these up. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight... Nine, ten, eleven, twelve, twelve. Okay, twelve out of twenty-four. Yeah, twelve we, out of twenty-four. I think F. we were talking about this uh, offline, offline, off, off the air before about like what threshold does a film have to cross before it passes into um, your gossipy or whatever. Right. Uh, write that down. And your uh, uh, <laughs> your gossip junior, Iron <laughs> Eagle. Um, and uh, we never came up with a number, but no. I, don't think, I don't think it has to be more than twelve. No, yeah. So, so it's weird right. for for a for a um, movie that is um, specifically about a small cast of characters, sort of relating to each other in weird ways. With the a lot of the big ones on there, fluidity, you know, sex is involved, sadism is involved. Yeah. Yeah. Somehow it only scores a twelve out of twenty-four. Yeah. Exactly. That means that uh, that quality of your gossity, that's, uh, well, that's and, an important quality. Uh, the Killing of the Sacred Deer had 17. 
So, which we both agreed was the the most sort of conventional, I think, of his films. Yes. At least so far. We have a costume drama coming up soon. That's true. All right. So the story. So this film, you've got Mick Jagger working on it. How's the music? Right. Not great. There actually isn't a ton of music in it. No. There is one specific sequence, the memo from Turner thing, which yes. um, I don't think was even, it must have been a single or something, but I don't know. I remember, I think that might be how I discovered <laughs> the film. Okay. I think I heard memo from Turner and thought, this is a, is this a Stones? This is a Stone song I haven't heard before. And looked it up and, oh, no, it's part of this movie. And then read the story of the movie and thought, I got to see this movie and then right. watch the movie. So it was supposed to have a whole soundtrack from Jagger and Richards. But, uh, yeah, like you had said, Keith Richards was dating uh, Anita Pollenberg at the time. Yes. This is after she had left Brian Jones, Mm -hmm. who was still alive at this point. Mm -hmm. In fact, Turner was based on um, Brian Jones in a lot of ways. Okay. Uh, He was playing Brian Jones kind of as he already was, pretty much washed up and like you know, strung out, and that's kind of how he wanted to play him. In fact, Anita Pollenberg told Mick Jagger to play play Turner like, imagine Brian, that they didn't know Brian was going to die, but imagine like Brian and Keith, you know, five years after the Stones have stopped touring. Right. Which, of course, Anita didn't know they would never stop touring. Right. Uh, they're still touring today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, imagine playing them like five years after and they have nothing to do and they don't know what to do with all their money and they're just right. alone in their house. And right. So, yeah. But so they're supposed to do this. He's playing, um, you know, Turner, this rock star. She's his girlfriend and they are in very many throughout pretty much the majority of the film uh, in various states of undress. Yes. And um, unsimulated sex acts essentially right. I, don't, I don't think anybody thinks that they were really doing it but you know if you have to ask right <laughs> and yeah and apparently uh keith richards heard about it and was so upset that he started like parking outside of like, the, the house studio or the house where they were shooting yeah. yes just imagine like that's a song there's got to be a song in their catalog that's based off of that experience i right? know right yeah which is so crazy so he's just out there <laughs> Jealous. Yeah. Uh, shooting in between his toes? What did he do? I don't, again? I don't know. <laughs> whatever whatever his particular method is, uh, smoking uh, a million cigarettes. So you just see like a fan, an expensive car across the street. Right. That just looks like it's Fuming. being driven by smoke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, I love that story. It's a good yeah, story. Yeah. It is a good story. And it has a lot of similarities with a similar story uh, for the next film that we're going to talk about. Yes. So you want to move on? Yes, let's move on. Let's move on to 1973's Don't Look Now. Yes. Starring Donald Sutherland at, in my opinion, the most Donald Sutherland he's ever been. Well, This yes. is the Don Sutherland-est of, this is the most Donald of the Sutherland. Right. Uh, and Julie Christie, who yes. is just fantastic. And um, some old ladies. <laughs> yeah. And some old ladies. And some old ladies. Uh, do you want to tell me what happens in Don't Look Now? You can do it right now. Um, okay, well... Is the sequel called... Okay, now you can look. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> or, or... I told you not to look. I know, right? <laughs> um, so, Julie Christie and Donald Sutherland play a married couple, the Baxters. Um, the opening sequence is in their British home, and their daughter, Christine, who is wearing a red Mac, which I learned was raincoat, um, in Very British strange. speak... What? Very strange. Yes, exactly. Um, she falls into a pond and um, 
uh, John Don Sutherland like goes out to um, save her, but she she drowns. she drowns. So she dies, she and uh, their son we don't find out till later is at a boarding school somewhere in England. Right. And they go to Venice, where John is restoring a church. And um, while they're at a restaurant, they run into these two old ladies, and one of them is <laughs> so weird. One of them is blind, and she she says she's psychic, and she says she sees Christine, and she is very happy, and she's laughing, and she wants them to be happy. Yeah. Um. So, Hilarity ensues. Yeah, then Julie Christie like goes back to the table and like collapses. Yes. And they take her to a hospital. Where I don't know if I guess that's just the kid wing of the hospital or I whatever. Yes. Where she's sitting in a room and then through a window, just like a, you know, uh reinforced window. Yeah. Like at institutional. There's just a bunch of kids and I'm like playing. Are they having kid playtime and they're sick little kids? Or is this some kind of it's kid therapy. Sometimes we have mothers with dead children come in because they fainted. So we open up the curtain <laughs> and behind the <laughs> curtain there are a bunch of kids playing with each other. I, and then she's like, oh, it's great. I think I think it's kid therapy. Just, I mean, it could be kid therapy or they're sick. It's one of the two. <laughs> um, they weren't like. <laughs> no, there were no coughs. Take this ghost ball. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so um, they begin to be haunted kind of by like they think that they see or John thinks that he sees a little girl in a red raincoat like throughout the city intermittently. <laughs> so <laughs> which would make more sense than what happens. I know. The reality is so crazy. I know. It is. What is <laughs> I don't know. I Yeah, you don't have to go on. Okay. You don't have to go on. Okay. Yeah, that's what happens. That's basically what happens. Yeah, that's what happens. Without, I mean, we're not trying to avoid spoilers. We'll probably talk about what happens at the end. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's what happens. And I would argue, I love this film, and I always have. Mm-hmm. I would argue it's a little long in the near the end. You know, it, yeah. it gets paunchy in the in the middle. Yeah. The part where he's wandering around, she goes off. She Julie Christie leaves the movie because she's got to go deal with their son's been in an accident yeah and so she's not in it and so that's good for him like as a character he's getting more isolated he's alone in a strange city something is going on because people are they're finding bodies you know apparently in the um, yeah in the the water in the the canals yeah and so that's a good time for him to sort of like start to lose it you know and then he thinks on the (laughs) gets the ladies arrested yeah uh that's all fine and good, but that goes on for a while. Like yeah. he's wandering around, the cops are following. He goes meets the cops, yeah, which doesn't doesn't really add much to it. I mean, you get the thing with the weird sketches. I thought that was kind of interesting, but like, yeah, I'm I'm the chief of not very good police. Right. That guy was a um, Italian actor or a, a Venetian actor, and spoke no English. Okay. So totally phonetic. He had no idea what he was saying. All right. But he got to be in a movie with Don Sullivan. Yeah. Um. So, uh, I can't remember what I was going to say. So, I loved it. D- did you like it? You There were times yeah, when you, you did it. not look happy when you were watching this movie. Well, it's kind of a sad, depressing film yeah. in a lot of ways. So And we'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, no, I, I enjoyed it. I just, you know, whenever you lose a, lose a kid, that's not a happy, feel-good time. No, and I was thinking about other movies. Um, is it Buried Child? Is that the play by Sam Shepard? Yeah. Uh, wow, that was a... 
pregnant, yeah, or <laughs> not pregnant anymore because oh, kid's dead. Wow. And then wasn't wow. um, sorry, what? <laughs> and then uh, Nicole Kidman was in a movie called Rabbit recently that was sounded that, a lot like that Barry was, Child. To that me. was a play, and they lost a child. Yeah, I've seen the play. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. So you okay? Yeah. So how is it not Barry Child? <laughs> I mean, just I guess um, the same premise doesn't make it the same play. It, it's but. it's not. It takes place in modern times, so they have like videos of the kid, and they're like watching it and stuff like that, and they get some really depressed. I gotta tell you, this sounds great. Um, yeah. So okay, you, you you said that it's depressing, and I don't know if I agree with that. In fact, I said I like this movie. Mm-hmm. Now listen to me tear this movie down. Okay. I think the tone of this movie, other than being often creepy esque. Is all over the place. And I don't know why. Except okay. for, you know, mood spelled backwards is a doom. We say that all the time. Yeah. We say that all the time on the show. Yeah. That's a, we have a t-shirt. <laughs> we should have a t-shirt. We will after this. Okay. Um, But I don't understand. There are p- times when, and I don't want it spoon fed to me, but there's times when I think they're intending something. I'm, assu- I'm going to assume that they're intending something, but I don't know if they were intending it, if it all fits together the way it should. Mm-hmm. We can just talk about the elephant in the room and the thing that I think this, sadly, this movie is only remembered for is the the, the sex, scene? sex scene between yeah. um, Christy and uh, Sutherland, um, which is, see, it, they say it's explicit, but mm-hmm. it's not because... It could have been way more explicit. Yes, and I think it when it was shot, it was very it was explicit. very explicit. <laughs> Might have been um very authentic. Yeah. Depending on the rumors, which right. we'll talk about. But the the reason that it is late now it's seen as genius, but the reason that it's cut together with them getting dressed afterwards is because Rogue had to had to eliminate any um evidence uh or on screen like motion, you know, the motion right. of the ocean. And so if they're in like a clinch, he can't show them moving like at all. So he, right. can, he just shows as long as she's zipping up her boot. And then we come back to the sex scene and they're in a different position. And so right. you, you fill in the blanks. Right. The after the, the um, perhaps unintended effect, although you can spackle something and do it artistically, right? Mm-hmm. The effect that we get is this kind of touching sort of look at them. You know, being in this very intimate, and of course, it's the seventies, so it's like the joy of sex, like weird. Right. If you had a sex scene in a modern movie, it wouldn't look like this. They're right. like, pre- they, they got their arms wrapped sideways around each other, or something like that. It they just, look like they're doing like weird pretzel. Yeah, like, and his his lanky things. ass is hanging out. Yeah, it yeah. wouldn't be like that today. No. But anyway, uh, they're very much in love. Yeah. But they intercut that with them sort of getting ready individually and not saying anything. And it's de- there's definitely it's absolutely a Kuleshov effect situation, you know, where we put on what we want to on it. Yeah. Because if you just showed Donald Sutherland putting a tie on and looking around the room, and then maybe having a little sip of whiskey before they go out. Right. That's all he's doing, you know. But right. if you intercut it with him <laughs> plowing Julie Christie, right? You know, you're thinking, we're you're thinking about them thinking about the the experience that they had, right? And it's it's neat, it's contemplative, and it's and it's nice. Here's what it doesn't do: show the division between them, which Nick Rogue talks about in every in, in interview about the film, is that oh, he's really? trying to show how, like in buried child or whatever the death of a child can drive two people apart in a relationship and right. it's only ever pointed out in, in that i've seen as 
a very warm, if somewhat like explicit sort of sequence, you know, where we right. see how much these two like really love each other and are thinking about each other. Right. But they're not supposed to be. Well, that's bizarre because that's what I got from it too. Yeah. I didn't get that they were. Which is why I think that the divided. tone is like, yeah, it's weird. And they're, he's buried in his work. She right. is, we, we have mention of medications and therapy and stuff like that. So she hides a pill at one point up her sweater. Well, he's trying to get it's her to take weird. the pills and she doesn't want to take them. Yeah. And so she gets onto this new age stuff, man. She gets right. her crystals. And so he's like, great. You know, he's not excited about that. So they're kind of divided there. You can tell that, and Christy does this very well, you know, this. There's a lot of times when she is smiling and she's not happy. Uh-huh. And we know it. Right. And... But she just, you know, puts on this beautiful smile. You can tell that she's just done that. But then we also see, you know, scenes of her looking totally abject. And there are specific clues or cues in the film. Their house has this weird design where it's like partially remodeled or something on one side or paneled or... Or has siding or whatever. It has like bricks on one side and yeah. like wood on the it's other. It's divided. Or something. Yeah. It is literally a it house divided. It is literally divided. divided. And yeah. maybe this is totally insane, but just go with me from the house divided thing. When she <laughs> comes back from the bathroom after the ladies are talking about <laughs> her dead kid. I don't know why I'm laughing. Yeah. And there's the weird lady who I think is a bathroom attendant or something. But yes. she's just sitting there and she's like, yes. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> So anyway, when she comes back, she falls over and knocks the table over and everything falls on her at the table. Yeah. And they specifically show oil and the vinegar yeah, falling I know. to the ground. Like it's water mixing, or something. But they don't, oil and vinegar don't, don't mix. mix. Right. They are separate. Right. Unless they're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> then everything is A-OK. Right. It reminds me too of, or this should remind you have don't look don't look now, but um, of a- Antichrist, Lars von Trier's film. Okay. Right, which is about oh you don't know. I don't okay. think I've seen it. it it's about um, a couple who loses a child, it's Willem Dafoe and um, Charlotte Gainsbourg. Okay. And it's specifically speaking of like eroticism. It's specifically when they are making love. Their kid like falls out a window basically like because they're not watching him. Oh my gosh. And you don't get the impression that they're you know irresponsible, but it's just like this tragedy and. If, so, because it's Lars von Trier, the, the the woman and the man, um, they retreat to this cabin in the woods and like basically punish themselves like sexually, like sexual torture. Okay. Because they've come to associate, it's kind of basic, but they've come to associate like the very real lo- love and attraction they feel for each other with right. this thing that got their kid killed. Losing their kid. Yeah. Oh, that's depressing. Yeah. It's too bad I don't watch Lars, Lars von Trier movies because that's a hook. Yeah. Yeah. But- What's on the end of the hook? Yeah, exactly. A severed arm. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, so anyway, that's that's my problem. You get these wonderful pictures, you know, and you get him chasing the figure through Venice, and you get right. um, the 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 romance, the love scene between them, you know, and you get these odd scenes with like the the milky eyed lady, yes, <laughs> laughing, Blind, you know, like laughing a maniacally, but none of it connects because the ladies no. are totally totally beneficial they're totally good guys i know <laughs> you know and so it's uh, like why are they laughing maniacally yeah and you get this scene of like high tension uh, pun intended where he falls off this scaffolding oh my god and it's swinging around and, but yeah. it goes on for so long and it's cut with probably all these real sounds of donald Sutherland going oh 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 ah <laughs> And it's probably the actor whom you informed me was 
did the stunt himself. Yes. Because the stunt actor was like, oh, I'm not doing that without the right insurance and the insurance yes. isn't set up. And Don Southern's like, well, let me do it. Fine. <laughs> Then, I'll like, land on my mustache and if then, like, something goes wrong. They had like some wire connected so to he him. Pro- so he's dangling you yes. know, three stories up in the air yes. and probably forgetting to act because right. he's terrified. Yes. But my thing is, just go back in and, and dub it over. Right. With some like, legitimate screams because he's just like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> is that from the sex scene? Oh, um, my gosh. So, yeah, I just, it, it, it's a mess. It is a mess. And he could have, like, it's a good thing he didn't let go of that rope because, like, the a guy who was, like, in charge of the stunts or something. Oh, yeah, said, you were telling me about it. They had a, a Kirby wire, which is, yeah. like, a hidden, you know, wire, like a, right. a harness or whatever. And, and they and said with him twirling around, like, the way that he was, it would have really... It, it's not really supposed to do... No. Save somebody from a situation like no. that. No, so if he and had, so if he let had go like, let go of the rope, that rope he yeah, would he have probably screwed. died, yeah. which is crazy. That is so crazy. I can't believe he did that stunt himself. Well, it's the 70s. I know. And then it's method. And then, like, there's some other stunts in the film, like when he's, like, walking through boats or whatever, that probably. Walking through boats. (laughs) (laughs) Which probably aren't as dangerous. There's a scene when he is walking over the boats to get to follow the girl or whatever. And you see, it's a man who is clearly not Donald Sutherland. It does not have a magnificent mustache. mustache. I know. And then later on, Julie Christie comes across. It's Julie Christie. <laughs> like, I know. Did they not get her a stunt double? I know. <laughs> so anyway, so that's my problem with it. Also, the just the bug nuts ending too, uh, which we can talk about. <laughs> oh my god! Apparently, too, um, Don Sutherland was like really positive about like psychic stuff. He's like, I don't want this to be some kind of movie where psychics are the right. bad guys and everything. So I read that you know, too. Can't we have it be like? something different where it helps out. And I'd argue they did try to help you. You just didn't listen to them. That's true. And it's also a self-fulfilling kind of thing because whether or not he's got the shinning himself, all through, this is what bugs me about the emotions, in my opinion, not really landing, is that the rest of the film is clearly um, meticulously put together. Because mm-hmm. the images that we establish at the beginning yeah. of the mirror breaking and the girl under the water and all, the upside down reflection of her, yeah, those all the... get repeated again through, you know, in Venice, uh, which is the setting of the short story, too. The um, Daphne du Maurier, um, yeah. who also um, wrote The Birds as well. Oh, okay. Um, that's all set up, and so of course, Mister Mirror Water Guy <laughs> comes in and goes, "Ah, oh, I can do that." Right. And so, and we keep seeing a repetition of those themes that lead to this climax that the setting makes sense. It's almost like a trap. It's almost like the, um, you know the game Mousetrap. Like he could never not end up here. Yeah. No, I think you're right. But it's all self fulfilling because if the, they didn't hadn't said, "Oh, I see your daughter," none of this would have happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you could have right. got ganked by <laughs> the troll, little the red troll Riding doll. Hood. That's what they call her, <laughs> Little Red Riding Hood. Yeah. Uh, you, I guess you could have got ganked at any time, but he basically tries to chase down this thing because of what they said, and it's a real yeah. Greek tragedy vibe. It is. I also thought the crazy bug nuts ending, too, felt like, because they were saying, I, I read somewhere that it was like, and this is true, um, there's a long tradition of like the British you know, gothic films, like horror films. Yes. Um, and it's kind of like that, but it felt a, l- a little giallo to me as well. Which is, um, you know, like Italian horror or supernatural horror. Okay, sure. Um, just the idea of having, and here's the spoiler, a knife-wielding dwarf be, yes. <laughs> be the ultimate bad guy? Yeah. Now, that's a very jello kind of thing. Um, do you think that it's 
that really happened or it's a metaphor? Do you know what I mean? Like, I guess his throat has to get cut somehow. But do you yeah. think that there was there was really, for some reason, at no point mentioned previously, we don't hear them listening to the radio and somebody says that, oh, a breakout at the local insane asylum for right. short people. Right. Uh, <laughs> and now Randy Newman. Uh, uh, I know. <laughs> do, you know do you think that that was really? Because I'll tell you. That's like coming in from another movie. That's like, what stage is this? Is this it, stage 13? It does feel like it's from a And also, song. it's a little unsatisfying. It's supposed to be about this guy who basically is mad that his wife is getting over their kid's death. Yeah. He wants to stay mad and sad about it. Yeah. And she's ready to let it go. Right. And it takes the form of this, or the spiritual awakening that she kind of has, Um and it's 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 all encompassing because she goes to the church and he's literally restoring these churches right. for a priest who's like I don't really give a rat's ass about right. these churches, right. and he is doggedly doing this and he chases it down to his death. But why is it death by dwarf knife to the neck? I don't know. I don't know. Suspension of disbelief. I guess. I mean, it's just so out there. Um, I guess they just really wanted it to be like him chasing his daughter, but then it's not his daughter. It's a <laughs> troll woman right. who has a be knife. Be careful what you... Yeah, exactly. But it's not like they, you know, initially announced that, like, t- troll dolls are the enemy of blind ladies everywhere. You know, right. there, we feel like there's something bigger being played out here that maybe they just stumble into, but yeah. it's... All he wants to do is just... Just... Beyond the the whole getting over his daughter's death or, or maybe he's seeing a ghost or whatever, because this is often described as a ghost movie, but really right. it's an ESP murderous troll doll movie. Yes. <laughs> there are no ghosts in it. No. Uh, <laughs> but all he wants to do is, is just help out. I know. <laughs> Get stabbed in the neck. I know. <laughs> What's it's It's tragic. It's nuts. It's nuts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and like the blood is like paint. And oh, that's a 70s yeah. thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, and Also a giallo thing. Yeah. I was thinking, okay, so I didn't, why remake Suspiria? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Right. Uh, and then this is how, you know, at, at, when we got done watching this, I was like, okay, I want to watch. Maybe it's just hearing Italian for two hours, but I want to watch the new Suspiria. Do you? Yeah. I'm going to give it a chance. Okay. All right. Why not? Okay. We'll give it a shot. Whoa. Not so much. Um, you know, I'm not daily big into horror films, so Yeah. Um, do you think Zack Snyder saw, was also influenced by Nicholas Rogue? He saw that sex scene and thought Oh boy. I could do it, but this time with Leonard Cohen. Yeah, maybe. And that just sort of and I guess I kind of mean this literally, but I mean it figuratively, like that level of pornographic detail. You think that he missed the point that it yeah. was the juxtaposition of the intimacy with the aftermath right. that makes it good and he just thought people slow-mo boning to leonard cohen was where right it's at. right exactly it's just weird better question is uh do the baxters get a discount for a couple's perm <laughs> just get their hair both done at the same yes, time yes i think they do <laughs> um one other thing we have oh, sorry i oh, really go ahead. this was really really fast also all anybody ever talks about this movie is that sex scene but nobody ever talks about the scene where an old lady 
channels herself into an orgasm. Oh, God. And I the hero know. of our movie gets chased away as a peeping Tom. I know. <laughs> English. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is going on? I know. It's so weird. <laughs> All right, um, sorry, sorry. Go no, ahead. it's fine. Um, only a th- one other thing I want to mention is that um, he's looking at slides at the beginning of the film. Yes. And there's this one slide of a church, maybe that he helped restore. I don't know. I'm assuming. Um, and his daughter appears to be in the pews. I uh, think it's be- her. Because she's wearing a red Mac. Right. Um, and then he goes to save her, but he spills something on it. And the red from her Mac, like, just... Yeah. Goes all over the slide. Yeah, it's a very spooky image. Yeah, for a movie with no ghosts in it. Yeah, um, yeah, that was really good. Uh, that was you know deliberate, and a lot of the deliberate things I think really work well. There's some things that are kind of vague, and um, think, I guess they work all right. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure what they're supposed to accomplish. I think that the idea of somebody, some kind of serial killer, yeah, in Venice, I think it's more prominent in the book because I feel like it just kind of gets like. Oh, yeah, and there's a serial killer. Right. Like, after the movie's already running. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, there's bodies, We by pulled the way. somebody yeah. out of the canal. Right. Right. Like, and they pull this body out, and it looks a lot like Julie Christie. Yeah. She's got the, you know, the nipples <laughs> top. <laughs> she, like, she kept saying it was cold in the restaurant, so I right. should have believed her. Uh-huh. Um, but she's got that same sort of knit sweater type thing on sure and i'm not positive i think they're different colors but she's got the same sort of cotton underwear and it just looks a lot like you know her so i don't know what they're trying to say with that but that should have been the first thing we see we see them taking a boat home and the police are there and they're like dusting a railing and so we know and then we see the chief of police or that we'll see later yeah so we know that something has happened but we needed a, a starker image so to remind us right away. Okay, we got it. This is what's there happening. There's a serial killer loose. Yeah. I don't know what it's got to do with anything. To be honest, I've seen the movie now and it doesn't have much to do with anything. Right. But it will bring our movie to a close. Right. Yeah. And he's having these premonitions, essentially, of... It's not quite Sixth Sense, but he's already dead. You know what right. I mean? Like he's seeing the after effects of like, you know, what will be Venice after his death. Like when he sees... Um, uh, Julie Christie with the two women on a boat. Yes. He thinks that it's now. He doesn't realize that that'll be after his death at his funeral. Yeah. That's so. the end part that's yeah. still kind of a little, little saggy. Yeah. Uh, could have done it in two, but mm-hmm. or just under two hours. I guess it is like 150 or something. Um, it also kind of reminded me of Flatliners a little bit. I think Flatliners mm-hmm. was inspired I by think it. I think I've seen that before. Flatliners is, come on, really? Yeah. Not even the new one. No. Uh, it's your favorite, Julia Roberts. Uh, she and Kiefer Sutherland are medical oh. researchers. And his son, Kiefer. Kiefer Sutherland, yeah. yeah. I don't know if Donald Sutherland's in the movie, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, good connection. And uh, they are basically, come on, you saw the trailer for the, why do I have to explain the premise to you? They, I don't know why don't they're know. doing it. I they guess they get superpowers in the new one, but I don't really remember why they did it in the first one. But they're basically like putting themselves, they're stopping their hearts and staying dead for a while. And then they're oh. re- come, bringing themselves back to life. Oh, and yeah, while I think they're I dead, the... they are experiencing things, but they bring some things back. Right. I think I saw the, the ad for the new yeah. one. It's not, a, yeah. it's not a, I don't know. I think people have really crapped on it. It's not terrible, but it's not. It's not real, great. Real great. Yeah. It's better than the Lazarus effect at any rate. Okay. Um, and one of the characters, um, Kiefer Sutherland, I think's character, 
he is tormented in his dreams by this kid that he bullied um, or may have like indirectly caused the death of, I think, when he was a kid. Oh, boy. Named Jimmy Shimoli or something like that. And he wears like this sweatshirt. And it sort of reminded me of like this sort of haunting figure who kind of shows up. Okay. And <clears throat> ultimately becomes a uh, lethal figure uh, right. for him. Right. So if that had made somehow like that was... If if the daughter had some reason to punish him, except I guess neglect, <laughs> uh, right, and also leaving a mirror in the yard, what's going on? In I this don't yard? know what's Clean going on up. in this yard. Yeah. yeah, it's a thrift thrift shop sale. Yeah, it's a sale. You go to a, a place where they sell thrift shops. <laughs> okay. So anyway, I just felt like that was probably um, uh, influenced um, the whole uh, she's standing in the corner thing. You know, Blair Witch probably got that from this. Yeah. So this this definitely reached out and uh, <laughs> touched a lot of people. So it's time to make a sequel. Yeah. Okay. It's all right. It's all right to look now. No, it's all right to look now. Yeah. Okay. But who knew it'd be uh, a child serial killer? Yeah, I know. And uh, like the faithless Monsignor, like interesting, but yeah. like why? Right. What's he do for the movie? Really? I don't know. Didn't really have to be in there. No. Uh. Uh-uh. You're you're done talking about it. Um, I. Don't really have much else to say about it. Um, we'll squeeze one out. Um, it, I don't know why it's in quotation marks, other than maybe because it was based on a book or something like that. Oh, you're doing that? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> the movie title at the beginning yeah. is in quotes, yeah. which might mark the last time that they did that. You'll yeah. see that in old movie um, posters a lot. I can't think of like opening credits, but nobody knows how to use quotation marks. No. It doesn't make any sense. No. Nobody in the film ever says, don't look now. Right. <laughs> says those words. Right. So nobody's, so it's like, what, just just leave the theater? Right. I bought my ticket. <laughs> I want to watch this movie. Uh, anyway, uh, recommend uh, performance. Yeah, I would recommend okay, it. Okay, good. Um, recommend Don't Look Now. Yeah, I would recommend Don't Look Now. I would re- definitely recommend the both of them as um, well. Do we want to do Bingo Slanthimals for Don't Look Now? Do we want to? Do you think it would fit? I don't think it would. Yeah, I don't think there's any reason to do it. Okay. I don't think that we would get a very high score. We would get less than 12, I think. Yeah, less than so, performance. Yes. Uh, one more thing about performance. This is supposed to be about um, Nicholas Rogue and not um, Donald Kamel. But yeah. Donald Kamel, interesting, um, weird weird guy. Okay. Interesting guy. <clears throat> got to start as a painter, and he, um, of course, got into uh, making films. And he was, um, he committed suicide. Oh, wow. Um. He had always wanted to make um, strange movies, movies that push the boundaries. You know, you think of like, how did performance come to be? And like, what was it like on set? And like, what could you get away with? And like, how does this, you know, how did the finished product compare to what you wanted? And I think it was exactly what he wanted. I think he got exactly what he wanted. Okay. Like as weird and trippy and hard to follow as it is, that's the kind of thing that he likes to do. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, he would go on to make a movie called Demon Seed. <laughs> okay. Starring uh, Julie Christie as well. Okay. And it's about... <laughs> so... <laughs> <There's>... <laughs> this is a great connection because uh, Garth Marenghi, <laughs> yeah. the character Garth Marenghi, is said to be based on a couple different writers. A lot of people think that he's Stephen King, but I know for a fact that he's Dean Koontz. Okay. And... Dean Koontz wrote this book, Demon Seed, that was made into this movie. And it's about like this self-aware computer that's also 
demonic and it like okay. rapes Julie Christie and like puts a demon computer baby in her. Oh my god. Yeah. That's so. terrible. Donald Camille, everybody. Um But uh, as I was watching <laughs> as I was watching Don't Look Now, I just couldn't help but think of uh of Garth Marenghi and cuz some of the blatantness of <laughs> the images yeah. like when he's imagining cuz he th- sees things that don't happen necessarily and it's not it could be psychic but it could also just it's his imagination sure like he when he's thinking about his death you know he imagines falling from the rope but we know that he didn't didn't fall you know? right or he's like i wonder if those ladies are evil and we cut to those two ladies cackling like dr yeah. evil <laughs> it's right just, it made me think of the garth Marenghi talking about oh no so multiple that have used subtext they're all cowards <laughs> 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 yeah why hold back right but anyway uh he went on to make a movie uh called uh wild side which was sort of famous for being this kind of disaster it was like in the mid 90s and it was your kind of bog standard post uh tarantino crime type thing quirky crime film sure your things to do in denver when you're dead-esque you know type movie and he had wanted to get all this kind of weird stuff in there and it stars uh christopher walken and Anne Heche, who was red hot at that point, is not okay. the joke that she was now. Right. Maybe she would be um, not a joke if this movie had gone off well. I don't know. <laughs> and also knows? Joan Chen, who kind of uh, coming off of a Twin Peaks high, I guess. But okay. never really did much either. Yeah. Um, and it's not, doesn't matter what it's about. It's stupid. It's weird. It's really bad. But he just got a lot of pushback from the studio. I don't know the entire story. I think there's a book or a documentary about it if you want to check it out. But he wanted to have like graphic, you know, lesbian love scenes and like sex scenes and all this okay. stuff. And it was important, man. For some reason, it was really important to get the thing across. And the studio was like, no, we're not doing that. And right. he had this huge blow up fight with them and went home and shot himself. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, he pulled a hostage alert from <laughs> I was thinking that. From Deadwood. Yeah. I'm so mad at you. I'm going to kill myself. I know. That'll, that'll take care of it. Oh, my gosh. And it's hard to find this story now. If you Google him, it's actually one of the first things that comes up. But it used to be on his Wikipedia page. But I noticed it's been edited out of his Wikipedia page for some reason. Really? Perhaps because it isn't necessarily uh, true. But it's okay. what I've heard. And it's been the story for years. Right. But when he shot himself, he did it in such a way that he didn't fatally kill himself immediately so he like blew part of his head off and lived for another hour afterwards oh no and as he did he was apparently in a state of like euphoria you know he was really happy about it and he had his wife um get a mirror and bring a mirror in so he could watch himself die and he (laughs) reportedly asked her if she could see the picture of borges Wow. Like in the film. Yeah, performance. Performance. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so just chew on that fat for a little bit. Mm. Yeah, It's weird. It's a weird guy. It's really awful. Yeah, it's terrible. Also. His poor wife. Yeah, I mean, he was 62. Yeah, and his poor wife. No, his poor wife. Uh, was he the one? No, it was uh, Rogue that was married to Teresa Russell for a while, wasn't he? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, but don't kill yourself over a Joan Chen movie. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Jeez. There'll be other movies. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, great way to end it. Yeah. Here's a better way to yeah, end it. Uh, troll doll stabs you to death. I know. <laughs> and if I had those golden dreams of my yesterday. Yesterday.
So anyway, uh, that is our <laughs> impromptu tribute uh, to to Nicholas Rogue, who um, for just years, for the second half of the 20th century, and even up till now, um, until his death, uh, was still making it happen, still mm-hmm. still changing things, and even when he is um, not hitting it out of the park, he's still delivering something that is technically impressive and just just interesting. Yeah. It's just the kind of thing that you can go home, like, I don't know if Don't Look Now is a classic masterpiece of human expression, but you can talk about it for hours. Yeah, you can. And sure. um, that is definitely um, an important aspect to great cinema. Mm-hmm. So he will be missed. Yes, he will. Although how he influenced Christopher Nolan, I don't know. <laughs> not, I don't think about Christopher Nolan when I well, think about... Uh, Inception, that sort of thing. Being British. How about... The, yeah, Inception. Yeah. yeah. The most... Ugh, let me explain every single thing that's happening. All right. A hundred times over. Okay. Um, <laughs> what was the Leonardo DiCaprio? Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's one care the guy yes. who manages the... Who manages the hotel staying. where they're staying. Looks like Martin Scorsese. Looks like Marty Scorsese, which yeah. isn't a surprise. He is a Italian, Italian guy in the seventies. Yeah. But every time he came on, I was like, kept making jokes about how he was Scorsese, and you, uh, you did not enjoy them. <laughs> Sorry. You did not like. Them. I I I I should have enjoyed them more. That's uh no, you do you. Okay. Don't laugh now. That's your movie. All right. Uh, anyway, uh, we hope that we have made you laugh. And if you want to hear more, and by hear, I mean read, because uh, I can't talk. And, and I'm going to send you to some social medias, which are on uh, Facebook and Twitter. And you can read what we say there at Just Enough Trope on Facebook and Twitter. Join the conversation. We want to hear from you. Mm-hmm. So sign up and get right down on that. And also, while you're at it on that old internet why don't you look us up on Apple Podcasts or on Google Podcasts or on your platform of choice? Mm-hmm. If you haven't already, I don't know how you got this show. I don't know what you're doing. Right. If you have not done that already, perhaps an old blind lady is just describing it to you. Uh, perhaps you were so shocked that she was doing that that you vomited. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> Stop. Boo. Oh, my God. Maybe that's what happened. Who can say? Who knows? Uh, But while we're trying to piece that together, go ahead and find us on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and subscribe to the show. It is the best way to get the show. It comes right to you as soon as it is ready. Brandishing its knife. Yeah. Did they put, I think they put a, um, a wig on like a side of ham or something like that. Didn't they? Because when she chops into him. Yeah. It's very real looking in that it's not like like a big you know it just looks kind of wet and yeah. there's a clear like impression left yes and i think that they took like a real piece of meat but i guess i didn't really look it up though look it up i'm sure that that story's out okay. there that's true yeah. uh, anyway um so uh, tell us actually uh, what i want you to do is i want you to give us a review of the show the podcast uh on those services we'd appreciate it because we want to hear from the fans we want to hear how you think we're doing and give us a rating at the very least because that's how these services know that we are doing a good job. If mm-hmm. we get a high rating, we then move up in the ranks. That translates to us being uh, exposed to more people. Yes. And that's good for everybody. Everybody can get what they want. So give us five, you know it, murderous dwarfs in a plastic <laughs> Mac. Brent just kind of smiling a little bit, but not like, and then like shaking their head a little too. And also they've got progeria or something. It's very confusing. And they're a singer, I think you said. Yes. <laughs> How yes. are they? What, like a, 
Soprano? I don't know. <laughs> what, what, hi-ho, hi-ho? What I know, stop. Not good, not good. <laughs> so in order to st- stop uh, making fun of uh, little people, which is not cool, uh, yeah, give us five stars. Uh, we'd appreciate that. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk about <laughs> something else. Uh, we're really going to take a running, flying leap at this uh uh, talking about this uh, favorite thing. Yes. So, um, yeah. uh, all goes well. We will be talking about the favorite next week, and I honestly can't wait. Yep. Looking forward Before to Before we go, do you think it will be an Emma Stone movie or a Yorgos Lanthimos movie? I hope it's a Yorgos Lanthimos movie. I feel like it's going to be an Emma Stone movie. I hope this it's This might not. be the beginning of the end for old Yorgi. No, I hope it's not. Unless it bombs... It's supposed to be up for a million awards. Like it's tracking, you know, fast and high at the BAFTAs Good. or whatever. It loses everything. He goes back to Greece in disgrace and just makes a ton of great movies. <laughs> wow. I wish no failure on him, but yeah. that needs to happen. Okay. So we'll let you know if that's what happens the next time we talk. And until then, we're signing off. I'm your host, Caliban. I'm your co-host, Mikanada. Keep the geek fires burning. Yeah.